Hello baddies and happy new year. It is 2023 and I feel like this is the first year, honestly, that I'm actually going into it with a clean slate. The past two years have been nonstop craziness, and I honestly feel like this is my fresh new beginning. All of the unfinished business of the past two years have finally been closed, and I feel incredible, and I hope everyone else feels incredible because it's been a long time coming. We deserve it. After everything that we've all been through for the past, what since 2019 with COVID and everything, we deserve just new, fresh start, beginning. And I think this is it. I feel it this year. I have not felt this before. And I truly feel like 2023 is going to be what you make it. So do what you want, live your best life. And I'm really excited because we are going into the new year reading The Alchemist. This will be the second episode on The Alchemist, and it's an awesome book. It is a fictional story about Santiago, and we follow him through his journey, and we get to learn alongside him. So the first episode, we're introduced to Santiago. He is a shepherd in Andalusia. He has this dream about going to Egypt and going to the pyramids to find this treasure, and he goes to a gypsy woman who tells him he needs to go and find this treasure and to give her a cut if he finds it. And then he also runs into this old man who pretty much tells him the same thing. You need to go follow your dream, go to the pyramids. There's a treasure there waiting for you and I will take your sheep off your hands. He sells him his sheep and he starts his journey, his journey to find this treasure that he has no idea what it is. It's just a dream. It's just a feeling, but he decides to follow his intuition and follow his heart to Africa. So he gets to Africa. He goes to this bar and he sees all of these women with headdresses, their faces covered, men smoking hookah. And it's so funny because in the Audible version, so I'll like listen to some of the books on Audible and then I read because I'm a visual learner. So I really have to read like a tangible book for it to absorb in my head or else I just like forget it. I don't know. We're all different learners. Okay. But that's how I have to do it. So I decided to listen to the book alongside me reading it. And on the audible version, the man has a British accent and he calls hookah hooker. And I just found it really funny. So if you listen to the audible version, the men are smoking hookers. So he's there. He sees all these people. The culture is different. The people are different. No one's speaking Spanish. And he totally forgot he's going to a whole nother country where he doesn't even know the language. But the owner of the bar approaches him. He points to a drink. He gives him this tea. He wants wine. And I totally feel that because that's me. He thinks to himself, you know, he doesn't really have much to worry about at the moment. He made some money off of selling his sheep. And he says here, which I found was really interesting. The sale of his sheep had left him with enough money in his pouch, and the boy knew that in money there was magic. Whoever has money is never really alone. And I found that like really interesting because I don't think that's true. And I think a lot of people think that like money buys you happiness and money buys you friends. And I guess what he's trying to say is like with money, you never feel alone because maybe money attracts people in like a negative sense. 
I can see that. But also, if you have money, you can really go anywhere you want, do whatever you want, experience whatever, because having money allows you to do that. He then has a man approach him and he says, who are you? He heard a voice ask him in Spanish. The boy was relieved. He was thinking about omens and someone had just appeared. How come you speak Spanish? He said. The new arrival was a young man in Western dress, but the color of his skin suggested he was from the city. He was about the same age and height as the boy. Almost everyone here speaks Spanish. We're only two hours from Spain. Sit down and let me treat you to something, said the boy, and ask for a glass of wine for me. I hate this tea. There is no wine in this country, the young man said. The religion here forbids it. The boy told him then that he needed to get to the pyramids. He almost began to tell him about his treasure, but decided not to do so. If he did, it was possible that the Arab would want a part of it as payment for taking him there. He remembered what the old man had said about offering something you don't even have yet. I'd like you to take me there if you can. I can pay you to serve as my guide. Do you have any idea how to get there? The newcomer asked. The boy noticed that the owner of the bar stood nearby, listening attentively to their conversation. He felt uneasy at the man's presence, but he had found a guide and didn't want to miss out on an opportunity. You have to cross the entire Sahara Desert, said the young man, and to do that, you need money. I need to know whether you have enough. The boy thought it was a strange question, obviously, because if a man's asking you if you've got money, then you know they're going to try to take it from you. So he had a good intuition, but... Down the line, he doesn't end up following it. The man says, let's get out of here. He wants us to leave because the owner kept watching them in their conversation and started speaking to the man in Arabic. And obviously, Santiago has no idea what's going on. So he's listening to the conversation and he runs out with this guy because he thinks that the owner is getting mad at them. He doesn't really know in that moment. The boy was relieved. He got up to pay the bill, but the owner grabbed him and began to speak to him in an angry stream of words. The boy was strong and wanted to retaliate, but he was in a foreign country. His new friend pushed the owner aside and pulled the boy outside with him. He wanted your money, he said. The boy trusted his new friend. He had helped him out in a dangerous situation. He took out his money and counted it. We could get to the pyramids by tomorrow, he said. They walked together through the narrow streets of Tangier. Everywhere there were stalls with items for sale. They reached the center of a large plaza where the market was held, and there were thousands of people there arguing, selling, and buying vegetables for sale amongst daggers and carpets displayed alongside tobacco. But the boy never took his eye off his new friend, and after all, he had all of his money. So I guess Santiago gave this man his money to hold on to it, and then he ended up feeling guilty and didn't want to ask for it back because the guy was helping him. So he's like, oh, you know, I don't want it to look sketch or make him think I don't trust him. I'll just watch him, he said to himself. He knew he was stronger than his friend. Suddenly there, in the midst of all that confusion, he saw the most beautiful sword he had ever seen. The boy promised himself that when he returned from Egypt, he would buy the sword. Ask the owner of the stall how much that sword costs, he said to his friend, and then realized that he had been distracted for a few moments. His heart squeezed as if his chest had suddenly compressed it. He was afraid to look around because he knew what he would find. He continued to look at the beautiful sword for a bit longer until he summoned the courage to turn around. All around him was the market with people coming and going, shouting and buying, and the aroma of strange foods. But nowhere could he find his new companion. See, you can't trust people. Not off the bat, okay? 
Santiago really wanted to believe that this boy was good and that he would come back. So he gave him some time. And yeah, he never ended up coming back. The sun began its departure as well. The boy watched it through its trajectory for some time until it was hidden behind the white houses surrounding the plaza. He recalled that when the sun had risen that morning, morning, <laughs> now there comes the southern out there. He recalled that when the sun had risen in the morning, he was on another continent, still a shepherd with 60 sheep and looking forward to meeting with a girl. That morning, he had known everything that was going to happen to him as he walked through the familiar fields. But now, as the sun began to set, he was in a different country, a stranger in a strange land where he couldn't even speak the language. He was no longer a shepherd and he had nothing, not even the money to return to start everything over. All of this had happened between sunrise and sunset. He was feeling sorry for himself and lamenting the fact that his life could have changed so suddenly and so drastically. So he was super upset because this guy just took all of his money. He's in this whole new country. He gave up his entire life to go chase his dream and then immediately gets fucked over by this guy. So he's feeling really sorry for himself and he's so ashamed that he wants to cry. He had never wept in front of his own sheep, but the marketplace was empty and he was far from home, so he wept. Mm, I feel that. Always down for a good cry. Always. When I had my sheep, I was happy. I made those around me happy. People saw me coming and welcomed me, he thought, but now I'm sad and alone. I'm going to become bitter and distrustful of people because one person betrayed me. I'm going to hate those who have found their treasure because I never found mine. And I'm going to hold on to what little I have because I'm too insignificant to conquer the world. And I really felt for him. I think we all go through these times in our lives where we're trying our best and we're getting out of our comfort zone and we're doing something that we're not used to and it might scare us and we're trying because we want to accomplish something. When we do something, we try our best and something comes in and just takes it away from us or like knocks us down a few steps. We just feel so defeated because we're like, I put all of this energy out there to try, just to try and do something and then I get fucked over or now I'm starting back at square one and we just want to give up. But those are the moments that really test our character and our drive and purpose. We have to keep trying because when the universe sees that we are putting that effort in, it cannot ignore us. We are doing our best and we will always be rewarded for doing our best. Now he understood why the owner of the bar had been so upset. He was trying to tell him not to trust that man. I'm like everyone else. I see the world in terms of what I would like to see, not what actually does. He ran his fingers slowly over the stones, sensing their temperature and feeling their surfaces. So he had went into his jacket and found Urim and Thummim. When you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it, he had said. The boy was trying to understand the truth of what the old man had said. There he was in an empty marketplace without a scent to his name and with not a sheep to guard through the night. But the stones were proof that he had met with the king, a king who knew of the boy's past. They're called Urim and Thummim, and they can help you to read the omens. The boy put the stones back in his pouch and decided to do an experiment. The old man had said to ask very clear questions, and to do that, the boy had to know what he wanted. So he asked if the old man's blessing was still with him. He took out one of the stones. It was yes. 
Am I going to find my treasure? He asked. He stuck his hand in the pouch and felt it around for one of the stones. As he did so, both of them pushed through the hole in the pouch and fell on the ground. The boy had never even noticed that there was a hole in his pouch. But as he saw them lying there on the ground, another phrase came to his mind. Learn to recognize omens and follow them, the old king said. An omen, the boy smiled to himself. He picked up the two stones and put them back in his pocket. He didn't consider mending the hole. The stones could fall through any time they wanted. He had learned that there were certain things one shouldn't ask about, so as not to flee from one's own personal legend. I promised that I would make my own decisions, he said to himself. But the stones had told him that the old man was still with him, and that made him feel more confident. So he starts to look around the plaza, and he wonders if he's ever going to make it to the pyramids. And then he goes, as he mused about these things, he realized that he had to choose between thinking of himself as the poor victim of a thief and as an adventurer in quest of his treasure. I'm an adventurer looking for treasure, he said to himself. So I love that he takes this moment to do some self-reflection and say, you know what? I'm not going to feed into this negative energy. Something bad happened to me, but that doesn't mean that it's going to stop me. And it doesn't mean that I can't reach my goal. It's just what happens. The road and path to your treasure is going to be a bumpy one, regardless of your treasure, regardless of how much luck you might have in your life. There's always going to be bumpy places in the road. So you just got to ride with it, baby. Hold on tight. He was shaken into wakefulness by someone. He had fallen asleep in the middle of the marketplace and life in the plaza was about to resume. Looking around, he saw his sheep and realized that he was in a new world. He no longer had to seek out food and water for the sheep. He could go in search of his treasure instead. The crystal merchant awoke with the day and felt the same anxiety that he had felt every morning. He had been in the place for 30 years, a shop at the top of a hilly street where few customers passed. Now it was too late to change anything. The only thing he had ever learned to do was to buy and sell crystal glassware. And now it was too late to do anything else. So it's pretty much going back into the thought that it is never too late to try something new, to follow your personal legend, So the boy goes in and he has no money. He has no nothing. So he's like, please let me clean your glassware and your crystal. It will attract more customers. And in return, can you please buy me something to eat? Half an hour, he had cleaned all the glasses in the window. And as he was doing so, two customers had entered the shop and bought some crystal. The crystal merchant put a sign in the doorway. They went to a cafe nearby and sat down at a table And the crystal merchant laughed. He said, you didn't have to do any cleaning. The Quran requires me to feed a hungry person. Well then, why did you let me do it? The boy asked. Because the crystal was dirty and both you and I need to cleanse our mind of negative thoughts. When they had eaten, the merchant turned to the boy and said, I'd like you to work in my shop. Two customers came in today while you were working and that's a good omen. So then Santiago's thinking, oh my gosh, a lot of people talk about omens. This must be like a good sign. I'll work all night until dawn and I'll clean every piece of crystal in your shop. In return, I need money to get to Egypt. The merchant laughed. Even if you cleaned my crystal for an entire year, even if you had earned a good commission selling every piece, you would still have to borrow money to get to Egypt. There are thousands of kilometers of desert between here and there. 
Everything went silent and the boy just felt defeated again. He sat there staring blankly through the door of the cafe, wishing that he had died and that everything would end forever in that moment, which is pretty dramatic. But like, I can't say like, I wouldn't say the same thing or do the same thing or feel the same way, but he just felt super down. I can give you the money you need to go back to your country, my son, said the crystal merchant. The boy said nothing. He got up, adjusted his clothing and picked up his pouch. I'll work for you, he said. And after a long silence, he added, I need money to buy some sheep. So now he's like thinking he's going to have to go back to living his own same life again. And this is how life goes. You're going to be faced with adversity. You are going to be faced with a whole bunch of no's on your way to hearing a yes. But you've got to keep going. And So Santiago works for this crystal merchant for about a month and he said, I stayed working for him even though I wasn't really that happy, but he treated me fairly. He gave him a good commission and what more can you really ask for, you know? So one day he said he'd like to build a case for the crystal to put outside to attract more customers. He would put it at the end of the hill and people would pass by it and come and buy more stuff. So he's actually giving the merchant some really awesome ideas and ultimately they're kind of benefiting each other in their lives through this little arrangement. The merchant turned to a customer who wanted three crystal glasses. He was selling better than ever. As if time had turned back to the old days, he says that his business is really improved and then he says to the boy, I'm doing much better and soon you'll be able to return to your sheep. Why ask more out of life? And the boy says, because we have to respond to omens, almost without meaning to. Then he regretted what he had said because the merchant had never met the king. It's called the principle of favorability, beginner's luck, because life wants you to achieve your personal legend, the old king had said. But the merchant understood what the boy had said. The boy's very presence in the shop was an omen. And as time passed and money was pouring into the cash drawer, he had no regrets about having hired the boy. Why did you want to go to the pyramids, he asked, to get away from the business of the display? Because I've always heard about them, the boy answered, saying nothing about his dream. The treasure was now nothing but a painful memory, and he tried to avoid thinking about it. I don't know anyone here who would want to cross the desert just to see the pyramids, he said. You've never had dreams of travel, said the boy, turning to wait on a customer who had entered the shop. Two days later, the merchant spoke to the boy about the display. I don't like much change, he said. You and I aren't like Hassan, the rich merchant. If he makes a buying mistake, it doesn't affect him much, but we too have to live with our mistakes. Why did you think we should have the display? I want to get back to my sheep faster. We have to take advantage when luck is on our side and do as much to help it as it's doing to help us. It's called the principle of favorability or beginner's luck. And I love that. I think it's so true. Like when you have that good luck coming in, ride that shit, make it work for you. Do as much as you can because it's like attraction. All of that energy is coming. And when you have it, like take advantage of it. And the merchant says every Muslim is obligated at least once in their lives to visit the holy city of Mecca. So that's the merchant's dream that he's wanted to do his entire life, but never thought that he would make it. And it's going back to everyone has a dream in their life and they think it's too unattainable that they don't even try to do it. So he said that he started his shop because he wanted to get rich and then go do his pilgrimage, but it just never happened like that. So Santiago goes to say, well, why don't you go to Mecca now? 
And he says, because it's the thought of Mecca that keeps me alive. That's what helps me face these days that are all the same. These mute crystals on the shelves and lunch and dinner at the same horrible cafe. I'm afraid that if my dream is realized, I'll have no reason to go on living. The man says, you dream about your sheep in the pyramids, but you're different from me because you want to realize your dreams. I just want to dream about Mecca. I've already imagined a thousand times crossing the desert, arriving at the plaza of the sacred stone, the seven times I walk around it before allowing myself to touch it. I've already imagined the people who would be at my side and those in front of me and the conversations and prayers we would share, but I'm afraid that it would all be a disappointment, so I prefer just to dream about it. (sighs) So interesting. Like, I see where he's coming from because there's almost like this element of like fantasy and I'm like a big daydreamer. And so I see where he's coming from. But then also, too, that's kind of a sad way to live your life because you think, okay, it's not going to even live up to my idea of what it could be. So it would just be a letdown. That's kind of sad. The boy thinks, okay, if I work here for another six months, then I could return to Spain and buy 60 sheep. In less than a year, he would have doubled his flock and he would be able to do business with the Arabs because he was now able to speak their strange language. So he learned a new skill while he was there too. Always look at the positive. So he was thinking about how he hadn't used Urim or Thummim because Egypt was just now a dream of his, just like Mecca was for the merchant. The boy had become happy in his work and thought all the time about the day when he would disembark to Tarifa as a winner. You must always know what it is you want, the old king said. The boy knew and was now working toward it. Maybe it was his treasure to have wound up in that strange land, met up with a thief, and doubled the size of his flock without spending a cent. He was proud of himself. He had learned some important things, like how to deal in crystal, in the language without words, and about omens. One afternoon, he had seen a man at the top of the hill and complaining that it was impossible to find a decent place to get some food and drink. The boy, accustomed to recognizing omens, spoke to the merchant. Let's sell tea to the people who climb the hill. Lots of places sell tea around here, the merchant said, but we could sell tea in crystal glasses. The people will enjoy the tea and want to buy the glasses. I have been told that beauty is the great seducer of men. The merchant didn't really say anything about it. And then he just, you know, closed the shop later on, invited the boy to come smoke some hookah with him. And he says to him, like, what are you really looking for? And Santiago says, hey, I just want to get my sheep back. I want to earn the money to do so. Go back home. He says, well, I thought about your idea of doing the tea and the crystal glasses, but he said, I've been doing this for 30 years, all right, and I know what it's going to be like if we start doing this tea in here, then we're going to have to expand and he's going to have to change his way of life. Santiago's like, okay, and isn't that a good thing? And the merchant's like, "Mm, I'm so used to this shit. Like, I'm so used to life being this way. I don't really want to change it now. And I think that's like how a lot of people get when they get older too. Well, let me not say that. Young people get that way as well. Once you get comfortable in something, you kind of are like, "Mm, I don't really want to change it. Like why? Nothing's wrong. You don't fix something that's not broken. So then he goes into talking about how it was a true blessing that Santiago came into his life. Today, I understand something I didn't see before. 
Every blessing ignored becomes a curse. I don't want anything else in life, but you are forcing me to look at wealth and horizons I have never known. Now that I have seen them and now that I see how immense my possibilities are, I'm going to feel worse than I did before you arrived because I know the things I should be able to accomplish and I don't want to do so. Interesting. And then Santiago kind of thinks about, okay, like, I remember this time when I thought my sheep can teach me everything. He was living this way of life. And then he goes into thinking like my sheep could have never taught me Arabic. Duh. But besides the point, he says, you know, I couldn't have learned that from them. So this whole experience, I was able to learn something that I would have never been able to learn if I didn't step out of my comfort zone. So at the end of the day, the merchant, I guess, ended up saying, you know what, fuck it, let's do the crystal glass with the tea. And it became a hit. So they got super busy. He ended up having to hire two more people on because they were just going crazy. The boy awoke before dawn. It had been 11 months and nine days since he had first set foot on the African continent. He dressed in his Arabian clothing of white linens, especially for this day. He put his headcloth in place and secured it with a ring made of camel skin. Wearing his new sandals, he descended the stairs silently. The city was still sleeping. He prepared himself a sandwich and drank some hot tea from a crystal glass. Then he sat in the sun-filled doorway, smoking the hookah. He smoked in silence, thinking of nothing and listening to the sound of the wind that brought the scent of desert. When he had finished his smoke, he reached into his pockets, and he sat there for a few moments, regarding what he had withdrawn. It was a bundle of money, enough to buy himself 120 sheep, a return ticket, and a license to import products from Africa into his own country. He waited patiently for the merchant to awaken and open the shop. Then the two went off to have some more tea. I'm leaving today, said the boy. I have the money I need to buy my sheep, and you have the money you need to go to Mecca. The old man said nothing. Will you give me your blessing? Asked the boy. You have helped me. The man continued to prepare his tea, saying nothing. Then he turned to the boy. I am proud of you, he said. You brought a new feeling into my crystal shop, but you know that I'm not going to go to Mecca, just as you know you are not going to buy your sheep. And he gave the boy his blessing. Santiago went back into his room. He packed up his belongings. And as he was leaving, he saw in the corner of his room, his old shepherd's pouch. It was bundled up and he had hardly thought of it for a long time. As he took his jacket out of the pouch, thinking to give it to someone in the street, the two stones fell to the floor, Urim and Thummim. It made him think of the old king and he started to realize how long it had been since he had thought of him. For nearly a year, he had been working incessantly, thinking only of putting aside enough money so that he could return to Spain with pride. Never stop dreaming, said the old king. Follow the omens. Santiago picked up Urim and Thummim, and once again, he had the strange sensation that the old king was nearby. He had worked hard for a year, and the omens were that it was time to go. He was thinking, you know, I'm just going to go back to what I was doing before, And then he thought of what the sheep had taught him that was very important. And that was that there was a language in the world that everyone understood, a language that the boy used throughout the time that he was trying to improve things at the shop. It was the language of enthusiasm, of things accomplished with love and purpose as a part of a search for something believed in and desired. When you want something, all the universe conspires to help you to achieve it. 
As he left, he didn't say goodbye to the merchant because he didn't want to cry and there was people in the shop and everything. But he started to think like, I know how to take care of sheep. I can go back home. I can be a shepherd. I can do all of this stuff. It'll be easy. Andalusia is only two hours away. But then he thought, my treasure is two hours closer. And he thought to himself, I don't know why I want to go back to my flock. I understand sheep. They are no longer a problem and they can be good friends. On the other hand, I don't know if the desert can be a friend, and it's in the desert that I have to search for my treasure. If I don't find it, I can always go home. I finally have enough money and all the time I need, so why not? He suddenly felt tremendously happy, and he could always go back to being a shepherd, and he could also become a crystal salesman because now he had learned that skill too. And maybe the world had other hidden treasures, but he had a dream and he had met with a king. That doesn't happen to just anyone. He was once again on the way to his treasure. I am always nearby when someone wants to realize their personal legend, the old king had told him. What could it cost to go over to the supplier's warehouse and find out if the pyramids were really that far away? So I'm going to stop it there because this then goes into Santiago meeting the Englishmen and them heading into the desert and on yet another journey. That concludes episode two of The Alchemist. And I think at the end of like every episode, there's really just like such a strong message. And at the end of this one, it's to pick yourself back up because life gets crazy and there's always going to be something that's going to happen or bumps in the road, like I said, and you're going to feel like giving up. There have been plenty of times in my life I have been like, I'm giving up. And then the next day I woke up and I'm like, I have got to keep going because there is so much that I want to do in this life. And there's so much I want to experience and so many great things and people and places. So I just hope that you find what really makes you passionate and to follow your personal legend and to never give up on yourself. That's a great way to end and conclude this episode. I believe in you all so fucking much because you are all baddies and you deserve nothing but the best and you can get it. You just have to keep believing in yourself even if no one else does because no one owes you shit and you owe everything to yourself. All right. I love you baddies. I will be back very, very soon for episode three of The Alchemist. Love you. Bye.